Hello, Earnings Call listener. My name is Hadi Youssef. I run this earnings season podcast, but I also run the Borster Earnings Call mobile app, and that's what I wanted to quickly tell you about today. We've created a dedicated app for listening to earnings calls. What I mean by that is that we've basically created the Spotify for earnings calls. Our app lets you add any company to your watch list. You can download any earnings call to your phone. You can set notifications for specific companies for when a new call is available. You can also see the exact date of the earnings call. And if there is a company that isn't on our app yet, you can request a company within our app and we will promptly add it. Making earnings calls easy to access is something that I care a lot about. It's why I created this earnings season podcast. But obviously, we cannot add every single earnings call that gets published on this podcast, or else you'll be having hundreds of episodes every week. And so, we've created a dedicated app where you can go and pick and choose the exact earnings calls、uh, you're interested in. And what we post on this earnings season podcast are basically kind of the highlights or the most notable earnings calls. But in the show notes of this episode, I've included a video demonstration where I walk you through all the features that I just described for our app. And I also included the link to the App Store where you can go there and see the description of the app and the reviews. You know, I'm really proud of the feedback we've gotten from our users. And,、uh, you know, pleasing and satisfying our, our users and our customers is, is something that I、uh, take pride in. And, and as a team, we、uh, really pride ourselves on that. And so, I don't want to take more of your time and, and keep you from listening to the earnings calls you've selected today. So, without further ado, here is your earnings call. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Twitter second quarter 2019 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. I would now like to turn the call over to your host, Christeth Bessinger, Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining our Q2 earnings conference call. We have Jack and Ned with us today, but before we get started, I wanted to cover a few housekeeping items. First, please note that as of Q2, we will no longer be providing a slide deck as part of our quarterly disclosure package. All information that was previously provided in our slide deck is now available in the Selected Company Metrics and Financials PDF, which is posted on our IR site. Next, I just want to remind everyone of the format for our call. We published a shareholder letter on our investor relations website and with the SEC about an hour ago, and hope everyone had a chance to read it. Because the letter has a lot of detail, we will keep our opening remarks brief and then dive right into your questions. We will also take questions asked on Twitter, so please tweet us at, at TwitterIR using the hashtag TWTR. Also, during this call, we will make forward looking statements. Those are things like our outlook for Q3 and the full year of 2019 and our operational plans and strategies. Our actual results could differ materially from those contemplated by our forward looking statements, and you should not consider our reported results as an indication of future performance. We're making these forward looking statements based on information available to us as of today, and we disclaim any duty to update them later unless required by law. Please take a look at our filings with the SEC, especially in the risk factors section in our most recent 10K and in our 10Qs. For a discussion of the factors that could cause our results to differ. Also, during this call, we will discuss certain non GAAP financial measures. We have reconciled those to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures in our shareholder letter. These non GAAP measures are not intended to be a substitute for our GAAP results. And finally, this call in its entirety is being webcast from our investor relations website, and an audio replay will be available on Twitter and on our website in a few hours. And with that, I'd like to turn it over to Jack. Thanks, Krista. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today.、Um, before we get into your questions, we want to make a few remarks.、Um, Q2 was a really strong quarter for us. We had revenue increase 18% year over year, and monthly daily active growth accelerating to 14%. Really proud of our results and also the work and the effort that went into it. As you all know, health of the public conversation remains our top priority. Our focus in, in this quarter was ensuring that our rules and how we enforce them are easy to understand. 
This quarter, we refreshed our rules with simple and clear language. We expanded our rules against hateful conduct to include language that dehumanizes others on the basis of religion. And we define content that is of public interest on Twitter and introduced a new notice that provides additional clarity when we leave up certain tweets that violate our rules. An, an initiative that has been really important to us and one we've made a, a lot of progress on is to proactively identify and address malicious behavior. This means that removing the burden from the victims of abuse and harassment on our service and proactively identifying those tweets and making sure that our agents are, are well equipped to take actions on them. This resulted in an 18% drop in reports of spammy or sus suspicious behavior across all tweet detail pages, which are the pages that show the replies to any given tweet on our service. In the consumer app, we're moving a lot faster and we're seeing some much larger gains. We're providing more relevant content in people's timelines based on what they're engaging with in near real time. We're experimenting with new ways to customize the timeline, making it much easier for people to follow what's happening within their specific interest, this time using lists they've created or to which they've subscribed. And we've been making a lot of progress on international as well. Breaking news alerts is one example. We're delivering push notifications as breaking events happen in real time, which is now available in more than 10 countries. And we're enabling people to select the preferred language on the, in the onboarding flow and on the settings page, allowing people to explicitly set which language they want to see content in. This is currently live on Android in 13 countries and rolling out on iOS soon. Another big initiative for us has been to make Twitter feel more conversational. We've been working to label replies in a clearer way, testing ways to make it easier to follow and join conversation which replies with replies for various participants in a conversation, including the author, mentioned, and following. And our prototype app, TWTTR, which we call Little T, has been moving quickly. We launched four iterations in, in this quarter, quickly learning and refining with each iteration. One example recently is people were finding it difficult to quickly like replies, so we added a swipe to like gesture for a fast way to like replies. This was well received, so we added support for swipe to like for all tweets uh, in the prototype app. We continue to learn from this prototype, our iterations, and believe we're getting closer to launching a new experience in the main Twitter app that will make conversations much easier to follow and participate in. With that, I'll hand it over to Ned. Thanks, Jack. Before we get into Q&A, I just wanted to highlight a couple of points. We feel good about our performance in Q2 with DAU growth of 14%, and revenue up 18% or 20% on a constant currency basis with particular strengths in the United States. We're also very pleased with the pace of hiring, up 20% year-over-year in Q2, which is an acceleration from 18% last quarter. We now expect full-year headcount growth of approximately 20% in 2019. The combination of our conviction in our strategy and execution and our ability to recruit and retain key talent is allowing us to increase headcount growth. We continue to expect GAAP operating expenses for the full year to grow approximately 20% year-over-year with expenses ramping over the course of the year. You'll note that our guidance range for Q3 reflects lower revenue growth than we delivered in the first half of 2019. This is driven by a couple of factors. The first is the comparison we face as we lap our global business recovery in the second half of last year. As you may remember, we've got particularly difficult comps in the U.S. and Japan, our two largest markets, 28 and 24%. Uh, in the United States, and 44 and 30 percent in Japan in Q3 and Q4. The second is the recent decisions that we've made to deprecate certain legacy ad formats in order to better serve our customers and drive greater focus in revenue product, increasing the stability, performance, and scale of our ads platform in general, and our mobile application download product in particular, will take place over multiple quarters with a gradual impact on revenue. We're confident that focusing on our most important products, delivering higher performing, better formats for our customers, and creating a path to more direct response ads over time will deliver better outcomes for all of our stakeholders for years to come, but it does require focus and tough near-term decisions. With that, we're ready to take your questions. Operator? At this time, if anybody has a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. 
Again, that would be star 1 on your telephone keypad. We'll wait just a moment to compile a Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Doug Anmuth from J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Thanks for taking the question. Um, Jack, you're, you're coming up on two years of the heavy health work efforts here on the platform. Um, can you just talk about how you'd characterize your success so far in improving safety and security? And do you think that you've turned the corner on health work from weighing on user growth to now helping actually drive user growth? Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Um, as we've talked about on this call before, we do believe that health is a long-term growth vector for us. Um, and we have been um, doubling our efforts to make sure that we can address all the issues that we're seeing on the service. As I mentioned in my opening remarks, the big focus for us um, over the past year has been to proactively identify um, content on Twitter that would violate our rules um, so that we don't require a report. Uh, as you know, uh, a lot of our infrastructure in the past was dependent upon reporting of content uh, by the individuals who were receiving uh, the abuse or harassment and also folks who are bystanders. Uh, we have made significant progress on that and, and saw an 18% drop in reports um, this past quarter, which, uh, which is meaningful uh, and something we want to continue to um, build around. A lot of this is uh, a focus on building more technology to address the problems. And I have a lot of confidence that we have um, a lot of great work ahead of us that will continue to uh, that will continue to leverage to help um, that situation. Um, I do believe that health is going to be an ongoing um, initiative for us. I do believe it's going to be our number one priority for for quite some time. Uh, there will always be changing dynamics uh, that we need to address, but we are getting better and better at recognizing them faster and and more than anything else, being able to act on them faster. I think this also speaks to a broader shift in the organization. We've spent a lot of time looking at agility uh, within our developer organization. We're moving much, much faster on the health initiative, but that's also uh, allowing us to move much faster within consumer and within our revenue products as well. Uh, so we are finding a good development engine, uh, and we are better uh, aligning all the teams to make sure that we focus um, not only on the, the clear and present initiatives, but are, we're able to move much faster with much more agility um, going forward in everything that we take out. So our, our focus, our execution, um, and how we see results and learn from those re results have been um, really, really uh, excellent over the past two years, and I, I only, only expect that to continue and to, to quicken. Great. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. Thanks. Next question, please. Your next question comes from Colin Sebastian from Baird. Your line is open. Uh, great. Thanks. A couple for me as well. Um, I guess first off, if you could talk about the expansion of the sales team, what you're seeing in terms of uh, improvements in productivity, and then more broadly on the headcount increases, which areas of product development will gain the most um, from that? Thank you. Hey, Colin. As we talked about over the last couple quarters, uh, we continue to invest to drive growth across the company's greatest priorities, health first. Uh, conversation is a way to continue to grow the audience, our revenue product, and sales and platform. And so the headcount growth is really thinking about all of those areas. Uh, we continue to add people to the team that works with our advertising partners in different parts of the world, thinking not just about where they can have uh, near-term productivity impact, but where we see long-term potential as we continue to drive DAU growth and density in some of the uh, important markets outside of the United States. Uh, so uh, no changes to our thinking and how we, uh, how we grow the team uh, across those priority areas. Thank you. Thanks. Next question, please. Your next question comes from Eric Sheridan from UBS. Your line is open. Thanks so much for uh, taking the question. Jack, maybe two bigger picture questions for you. The 2020 election in the U.S. seems like a pretty big opportunity uh, given the nexus that Twitter's become around political discourse. Maybe talk through a little bit of the opportunities, but also some of the challenges and how you have to prepare the platform 
uh, for such a big opportunity in 2020. And then the NBC announcement around the Olympics seemed like uh, a pretty big positive to us in terms of uh, video content and, and tapping into Twitter from real time. How do you see that product announcement and that partnership as a potential harbinger for additional ways in which you can tap into the live uh, and real-time conversation nature of Twitter with other partners over the long term? Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for the question, Eric. Um, so we we do see uh, a lot of opportunity, but also challenges with with elections. And um, one thing to keep in mind as as Twitter is a global service is we have seen elections all over the world uh, in in the past two years, and have learned a, a lot from them. Just in this past year, we saw elections in the European Union, Australia, India, and Indonesia. Our number one priority within elections uh, and conversations on the elections, uh, conversations around the elections, is making sure we're protecting the integrity of the conversation around the election. Um, this uh, uh, manifests in a few ways. First and foremost, it's identifying forms of manipulation uh, used to amplify misleading information. Um, it's increasing transparency around ad purchases and, and targeting. And, it, of course, it, we continue to challenge suspicious logins and account creation. It's also really important um, that in every uh, country that we're in, we have significant local partnership uh, with uh, local authorities, uh, journalists on the ground uh, to make sure that we're seeing things much faster. Um, this is all in a category of misinformation and misleading information, uh, and this is our number one focus as we consider the election. Uh, that said, um, the opportunities uh, are, are certainly vast. We do see, obviously, a lot of conversation around uh, news and politics, around the uh, democratic debates, uh, and we believe that Twitter has an important role uh, to carry these conversations and to help people learn um, about uh, what's unfolding within uh, all their countries. So uh, we want to make sure that we are um, uh, present and that we're organizing the conversation in a way that people can learn from immediately. In terms of um, the Olympics and, and live, um, as, as we've talked about on these on these calls for some time, we think video is an amazing trend, but an amazing complement to conversation. And our work uh, with video and with these live events um, is to make sure that we can enrich the conversation to make sure that more people can reach and participate within uh, these events, uh, more people can uh, opine on what they're seeing, um, and also see the, the roar of the crowd, but also a recap of everything that happened that they, they may have missed uh, in the time. So we're, we're really excited uh, about these events, um, from sports to news to, to entertainment, uh, and it has been something that we, we feel has made the conversation on Twitter and around the world much, much stronger and, and, uh, and, and much more interesting. Great, thank you. Thank you. Next question, please. Your next question comes from John Blackledge from Cullen. Your line is open. Uh, great. Um, thanks. Uh, a couple questions on the DAUs. Um, so the, in the sec second quarter, um, the growth was better than expected. If you can just discuss some of the key drivers of the growth. And any color on, on key markets driving international uh, uh, market uh, DAU strength uh, in the quarter. And then, um, Jack, you mentioned uh, in improved agility. You know, what's driven the, the product improvement cadence um, and, agil and agility recently versus the past couple of years? Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. I'll start and turn it over to Jack. Uh, so on the DAU growth, we were pleased with the breadth of our performance. Uh, as you may have noticed, the U.S. DAU returned to double-digit growth at 10% to $29 million, and international grew 15%. Uh, when you unpack the international, although we didn't break it out by geography, uh, we did see uh, uh, broad-based DAU growth that we feel good about and that leads us to um, to uh, want to continue to focus on the opportunities that we see outside of the United States as well. When you step back from the DAU growth and you think about what's driving it, um, Jack went through some of the specific uh, product things that we've done in his opening comments, but it's important to consider that when we talk about relevance quarter after quarter, it's, it's an important reminder that relevance isn't something that you cross off the list and you move on to other things. It's uh, something that you can continue to iterate on and improve around and that the improvements that we make to the service one quarter benefit people who come to the service many quarters later. And so uh, we look at this 14% year-over-year growth we delivered 
and we see the cumulative benefit of the uh, last few years of work that we've done to improve the service, to drive relevance, to make Twitter more conversational, to make it easier to find the topics and events that people care about most. Let me turn it to Jack to talk about the agility question. John, I guess there's um, three big things here. One um, is just focus. Um, the second is around um, our technology, and the third is around our, our people. So, in terms of focus, um, we've been we we know what we are now, uh, and we know what sets us apart from our peers and our competitors. Uh, we know p why people use the service, why they get value out of it, um, and that's allowed us to really um, prioritize what matters most and shut down things that don't contribute uh, to that purpose and contribute to that to that focus. Uh, and that has been quite clarifying uh, and has allowed us to really organize our teams uh, in a much stronger way so that we can move much faster. Number two is we've we've just been applying a lot more machine learning and deep learning to nearly every aspect of the service, every every problem. Um, we've gotten a lot better at refactoring some of our older uh, platform and infrastructure. Um, we've gotten better at uh, hiring and um, acquiring teams uh, that are focused on bringing a, a much uh, higher bar of machine learning and, and deep learning discipline to every problem domain that we face. Um, and we approach every problem now with uh, with technology first, uh, and and that has been a, a pretty market shift within within the company. We were fairly mechanical, um, you know, three four years ago, uh, in in most of the things that we did. So we're seeing that within the experience, we're seeing that within health, uh, and we're seeing that with our infrastructure as well, from the consumer side all the way to the revenue product side. And then the third uh, is around people. We we have the benefit of having some really amazing people with a lot of heart, a lot of care, and a lot of strength and resilience who are focused on doing the right things, but we continue to hire um, folks who inspire others to join the company as well. Uh, we just made uh, a major hire within um, our design team, Danley Davis, who is leading um, our design efforts, um, which will give us a lot more clarity on the experiences, experiences that we're creating, how, how it feels, but also providing that Amazing design um, level thinking to everything that we do, not just not just the product, but around the company. So these three things together have allowed us to move much much faster in a more focused way that will result in a um, uh, a greater impact and, and certainly a whole lot more agility. But we we benefit across the board from it. Thank you. Thanks. And next question, please. Your next question comes from Mark Mahoney from RBC. Your line is open. Thanks. That uh, DAU growth is uh, really impressive. Could you talk about the extent to which that's coming from people who had used Twitter in the past, had an unsatisfactory experience, but they've somehow come back either through viral, uh, whatever, they've heard that it, the site has improved, or whether those are brand new users to Twitter? And I guess as part of that, could you just comment on your ability? Because the, the awareness of Twitter is super high. There are a lot of people who have used it in the past and have probably retired from the service. Your ability to, as you make the product, more conversational, more intuitive, to, to tap into those users. Just just talk about that as a, as a source of new user growth. Thanks a lot. Hey, Mark. Thanks for that. So when we look at how the uh, the composition of the people who are new to that DAU uh, bucket, we definitely would think about them in two areas. It's the people who've been on Twitter before um, who are coming back more frequently than they may have in the past and people who are new to the Twitter as we've talked about for some time, when we look at the, the funnel, the people who come to Twitter, we've been remarkably consistent at the top of the funnel in terms of having a lot of people come to the service every day, whether they come because of a link, because they went to the app on their phone, a notification, or they search for something somewhere else and it brought them to Twitter. And the opportunity for us is to help them find what they're looking for faster, to surface the things that uh, are important to them, the topics and events around them that they care about most. And as we do a better and better job of that, uh, we're able to uh, take the folks who have been coming less frequently and help them come more frequently and help the people who are new to the service uh, find what they're looking for right away. So we definitely think about both buckets as having been areas where we found some success recently, but also both where there's real opportunity in front of us as well. 
Great. Thank you. And um, we'll take the next question from Twitter. It comes from the Twitter account of Jerry McNeil. And uh, he or she asks, the new timeline makes lists easy to view and switch between, but creating and adding to lists is still clunky and non-intuitive. Will there be changes to the list creation feature to better leverage the timeline customization soon? Thank you, Jerry. Um, this actually um, you know, speaks a little bit to, to Mark's question as well. We, we have uh, a number of um, primitives within the app like list that we have been looking pretty deeply at and considering. These are very powerful features that uh, a number of people who have been on the service for quite some time um, are, are, are active today or coming back to the service got a lot of value of, out of. And um, the, the interesting thing about lists is it, it, it hits exactly what we're trying to do with topics and interest. People spend a lot of time finding accounts uh, and um, putting them in a list, following those lists. The, the, the simplest thing that we did recently was we made, it, we made those lists accessible right from the timeline. So if you do create your own list of topics around, say, cryptocurrency, you did all the work to find all the interesting ac accounts within the cryptocurrency space, um, and uh, you've um, created that list. It's, it, in the past, it's been really hard to find that. Now it's right at the top of the timeline. You can switch, switch between the home timeline. You can go right to that list. You can also go to any list that you've subscribed to. Um, the next step of that, uh, as you allude to, is making list creation much easier, uh, making it um, much more accessible to more people, and giving more control over that. We're doing all this work um, in the spirit of uh, interest in topics, in events, and we think this will be extremely impactful. And it's adding a new uh, set of functionality around not just being able to follow accounts, uh, but generally more topics, uh, more interest. Um, we think this is certainly interesting and relevant within the experience, but we also think there's a huge opportunity within onboarding as well. A, a lot of you have probably had an experience where the easiest and best way to get someone onto Twitter is to show them who you're following and help them find those accounts as well. With List um, and with these recent moves that, that we've made, uh, this makes it much, much easier to, to give people kind of a starter pack around any topic or interest that they, they might have that they can easily follow and get a, a timeline and a very rich experience almost instantaneously. Um, so this is something that we're, we're really considering. I'm really uh, excited uh, about what we can do with lists and topics and events, and I think it will have a, a massive net positive impact on the service. Thanks, uh, thanks, Jack. So um, next question, please, operator. Your next question comes from Lloyd Walmsley from Deutsche Bank. Your line is open. Uh, thanks. Um, two, if I can. First, just, you know, you, you talked about in the shareholder letter uh, some ad unit changes. Can you give us a sense of what's, what's getting deprecated and what some of the new ad units are and how, how early feedback is? And then a second one, which, which may be related, can you just give us an update on progress with the new map ads uh, and what operationally do you need to do to get these in place and, and any reason to think that they can't scale uh, pretty quickly given it's a performance product once you get it right? Hey, Lloyd, thanks for the question. So on the deprecations first, then we'll turn to map. You're right, they are related. Um, we often are looking at the portfolio of things that people work on here and thinking about how we can drive focus. If we just step back from all the work that we've done and some of the success that we've been able to drive, we really feel like focus has been um, the um, behind a lot of that. When we're clear about our priorities and when we focus on those, even at the expense of other things, uh, we see real benefit from that. The product deprecations we mentioned are in service of uh, that prioritization, in particular on the revenue product team. Uh, when we have ad formats that um, are big enough that they can impact our ability to, uh, to guide in uh, one direction or another, uh, but small enough that we don't think that they can have the same long-term benefit as focus on our greatest priorities can, uh, we'll make the tough near-term decision to communicate to the advertisers who use them and to 
shut them down and hopefully move people over to other things. When you do that, there can be some disruption um, in, in the near term. An example of that is the Carousel product. Um, that one we've announced already. Um, these are, again, they're not uh, big enough that it makes sense to break them out, but they do impact the, the guidance that we provided a little bit relative to the, what we delivered in the first and second quarters. Um, there are a couple others as well that uh, we've considered or made decisions around, but we're still in the process of uh, communicating. Uh, this is all in service of those two big priorities that we've talked about for the revenue product team. Uh, the first one is the work we're doing on our ad server to make sure that it is uh, positioned to allow us to move quickly, to try new things, to um, attract great people to the company who want to work on uh, the latest technology and who are, are positioned to move quickly once they get here. The second one is MAP, which is the mobile application promotion ad format that it has been a really successful format for us in the past, but one where we know we can deliver better, where we believe that we can deliver better relevance, we can help advertisers declare their objectives better, we can help them move faster and, um, and deliver a stronger ROI for them. Uh, we're still in the middle of that work, and as we move uh, forward with it, uh, there may be a point where you can see uh, the benefit from it ramp quickly, as you described, because it's a direct response-related product, but we're still at the stage where uh, we believe that you would see its impact be gradual in nature, and uh, so we'll talk more about it when we get there, and that gradual nature starts, um, but we're not there yet. We're still working hard to make it happen. Great, thank, thank you. Next you. Thanks. Next question, please. Your next question comes from Brian Nowick from Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Thanks for taking my question. I wanted to ask about, you, you mentioned in the, the letter you're experimenting with some new ways for people to better customize their home timeline and sort of follow interests a little better. Maybe talk to us a little more tangible examples of kind of what you're changing and, and what are you seeing in the, the early tests from a, an engagement or a retention perspective? Thanks. Yeah, so I'll, I'll speak to the first part of your question, Brian. Um, we, uh, we, we started this work um, some time ago, about, about three years ago is when we first started ranking the timeline by relevance. Um, so we, we moved away from a pure reverse chronological model. Um, over the past year, we introduced uh, some controls at the top of the, the timeline to enable people to, um, to quickly shift from reverse chronological to, um, to a uh, ranked timeline, uh, and this was uh, very well received um, by our customers. Uh, it led us to believe that we could do even more. Um, the most recent uh, is around putting lists at the, at, right at the top of the timeline. So now people have an experience where um, if they've subscribed to a list or created a list, they can, switch, they can quickly switch between the home timeline and also their list. Um, we want to add a lot more controls uh, to this uh, in particular. Um, and we want to make sure that we are giving people control within um, uh, these timelines uh, around uh, relevance, uh, as we've talked about for some time in the past, potentially even following topics, following interests. Um, following locations, um, everything that, uh, that really corresponds to getting people to a much more relevant timeline per topic, per event, uh, or per a enduring interest much, much faster. Um, we believe this will create an experience where people can um, easily follow uh, communities that they're interested in um, and, and go very deep and really focus the conversation, focus their timeline on that. So, um, we the, the the most important thing for us is is this agility aspect that we can quickly experiment and that we can quickly learn and we can co-create with um, the customers that we serve um, so that we can see what's working what's not working what they love what they don't um, and and make some informed decisions based on that so that machinery uh, within the company and that uh, that practice has really really improved over the past year. Um, and as, as we've talked about, you know, the, the timeline is where people spend the majority of their time. A focus there, uh, a focus on making the experience much more relevant, um, enabling people to additionally uh, make it more topic and uh, event-focused and interest-focused is something that um, has been um, very, very well received and we're excited to uh, continue. And, uh, you know, we're, we're especially excited about everything that this year will bring uh, along that dimension. Ned? Hey, Brian, just to go to the second party question around results, 
Remember, DAU is just going to be the best way to tell if we are delivering impact for people because if we're giving them a good experience, if we're doing all the things that Jack described, they're going to come back to Twitter every day. They're going to come to find out about the topics and events they care about most, and they're going to engage with the service and be a part of the conversation. Uh, so uh, that's, why we, um, that's why we'll keep talking about DAU on these calls for your benefit. Um, it's worth pointing out, though, just as we think about the DAU growth, um, one of the things that we're particularly proud of this quarter is we feel like we can point to um, causal benefit from some of the product work that Jack described that's already in the service. When we uh, look at the tests we've run, when we look at the impact that the improvements that we've had, uh, have, uh, we can see a direct relationship between those improvements and the DAU growth that we delivered this quarter. Great, thanks. Thanks. Next question, please. Your next question comes from Justin Post from Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Your line is open. Uh, great. I apologize you already commented on this, but uh, just wondering if you're seeing lower churn or if you're really attracting more users to the top of the funnel. I don't think you've disclosed MAUs, but uh, what's, what's really uh, improving on, that, on that, those metrics that uh, help the growth this quarter? And then um, also would love to hear about uh, direct response. Uh, you know, we talk to advertisers all the time. But it uh, doesn't, doesn't feel like a lot of them really uh, are engaging yet in Twitter. And just how can that uh, really happen over the next couple of years, and is that a big priority for the company? Thank you. Thanks, Justin. We did cover some of this earlier, but I'll go through it again. Uh, when we look at the top of funnel, we feel really good about the consistency and what we see in terms of people who are coming to the service every day because they want to find out what's happening in the world and what people are talking about. Where the opportunity is for us, is to help those people find what they're looking for faster so that they have confidence that the next time they come to Twitter, they'll find what they're looking for as well. And so that means that there still is um, success in these numbers that we're delivering, both from uh, converting people who come less frequently and people who've never been to Twitter before into uh, daily active uh, usage for Twitter. Um, at the, and as we look ahead, we still see opportunity in both regards as well. When we think about direct response, it's really going to start with the work that we're doing for the mobile application promotion product. Uh, I'd mentioned earlier that in the interest of focus, we continue to find ways to move people from other things, and there may even be near-term impact when we do that, such as the product deprecations that we talked about earlier. Uh, but as we get mobile application promotions to deliver better for advertisers, that should give us a better path to more direct response advertising uh, over time. We want to help advertisers launch new products and services, we want to help them connect with what's happening. And as we move further down the funnel with our ad formats, we think there's a lot more opportunity for us to help them deliver. Thank you. Thanks. Next question, please. The next question comes from Mark May from City. Your line is open. Thank you. Um, in terms of the live video product, just wondering if you could share with us some of the early, um, you know, metrics there in terms of engagement or other metrics that might, you know, point to the, the kind of uh, traction that you're seeing. And just kind of curious what the, the vision is here, you know, longer term. Are you looking to expand to a point where influencers and other large brands can regularly host live sessions with kind of an infinite number of, of participants? Just uh, curious a little bit of a deeper dive there. And then secondly, in terms of international revenue, do you see any drivers that could result in improved growth there in the international side of the business? Thanks. Uh, so a couple things, Mark. The first part of your question around live video. Um, so when we think of live video, it can be a, a couple different things. It could be somebody using the service, using live video as a way to participate in or start a conversation. Uh, you'd mentioned a part of uh, the live video feature that we've recently rolled out uh, which allows up to three more people to drop into a conversation and be part of a live video. But live video can mean so many other things for Twitter as well. It can mean near real-time highlights, whether it's around the Olympics or seeing every goal from the Women's World Cup or watching the uh, Democrat debates uh, last month on the service. Uh, so there's so much opportunity for us to continue to help uh, improve the conversation on the service through uh, live video. Um, when we think about uh, numbers. We don't tend to think about um, the benefit of a particular uh, type of format 
in terms of how it uh, drives people to the service. We instead think about how we can continue to improve the conversation through relevance, through format, through just making it easier and easier for people to be a part of the conversation as the best way that we can uh, drive people to the service and uh, grow daily active usage. Uh, you'd asked about um, internet, and by the way, I should just mention one more thing around live video. Jack was talking about the Olympics earlier. One of the cool things about the Olympics, about the Twitter hitter from Major League Baseball, about the ISO cam from the NBA, is these are Twitter-specific opportunities where content owners, where leagues are seeing how they can leverage Twitter differently than they can another service because it's conversational, because it's real-time, to allow them to connect with uh, the people who are passionate about their topic or event to uh, drive engagement for them and obviously to bring people to Twitter as well. Uh, when we look at international, it's a lot of the same work that we're doing in, in the United States. A lot of the product work that Jack talked about that we feel has uh, driven real benefit outside of the United States as well and has allowed us to grow DAU 15% internationally in this past quarter. Uh, we still see lots of opportunity in countries outside of the United States. Remember, 80% of the people who use Twitter are outside of the U.S., and so that will continue to be a big focus area for us. But uh, it's not different things that we're doing uh, in those countries. It's the same work that ought to benefit people all over the world. Thanks, Ned. Thanks. Next question, please. The next question comes from Heath Terry from Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Great, thanks. Um, Jack, you've been talking um, for, for a few months now about the, the idea of being able to follow events and topics and, and, and interests. I'm kind of curious, you know, as, as you get further down the development path for, for that, how do you see it rolling out? Will it, will it be a feature that's sort of debuted, or, or does it just sort of gradually work its way into people's timelines? And to the extent that you're having the success that you are um, with, uh, with Little T as a, an app that's available out there, any sense of what might cause you to want to make that version of the app more widely uh, available to, to users. Um, and then just, Ned, one, uh, I guess, hopefully quick one. Um, you know, as we look at the, the 300 basis points of acceleration in the advertising line this quarter, is there anything in particular, particularly in the U.S. business, that you would, that you would call out as being behind that, whether it's improvements in, in the ad tech stack, growth in your, your advertising base, in anything that, um, that, that in particular we should be focused on? Thank you, Heath. Um, so we we have uh, over the over the past year um, been introducing more topic-like and interest-like things within the timeline. Um, so some of this manifests in in terms of uh, topics uh, and interests that that you might see uh, um, around uh, particular events. We're, we're we're putting more of our events and discovery right at the top of the timeline. Um, we're also noticing uh, when people are sharing uh, particular URLs and and sharing. Uh, Opinions around them that might not necessarily be within your your follow graph. Um, so we we do believe that the timeline is a good source for us to experiment and see if if people are finding value uh, within um, some of these uh, some of these follows with with events uh, and interest. Um, the biggest the biggest shift recently has been putting lists at the top of the timeline. This provides us uh, a way for. Uh, us to experiment uh, much faster and and do some some bigger things uh, as well um, because we can utilize the the list um, concept as a way to contain a bunch of controls uh, within it uh, and we have a, a very um, a really exciting roadmap uh, within this and um, this is one of my favorite product reviews of of the week um, is is seeing what the team is is uh, thinking about and experimenting with and and how we're thinking about rolling rolling this out, but we we should see these continue to roll out. Um, we want to continue to build in a, a a lot of agility into our process, and that means that we're improving the app so we can introduce features like this much faster uh, to more people that we can learn from uh, very quickly. This hits on uh, Little T uh, as well. Um, this is a prototype app with a very small beta audience. Um, this is an amazing testing ground that we can ship rapidly, um, and we have the full app uh, to play with instead of just a section within the, the production app. So it allows us to test uh, much broader uh, and much deeper changes. 
Um, we, we will always look to expand the number of people who can participate with this, but the ultimate goal is to learn much quicker so that we can get the features that we're testing into production uh, faster. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of what we're playing with within conversation, we think we have a pretty good experience. Um, we, we think it organizes um, conversations and replies uh, in a much clearer way, and um, we, we do believe that uh, elements of it are, are ready for production. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just a, a matter of doing that work and making sure we're taking the best parts in all of our learnings and, and improving it. But um, the, uh, the, the increased agility we've built into the production uh, service in the app and the pairing of that with Little T uh, allows us to, most importantly, learn much faster as we, um, as we get feedback from, from the people that we're serving and also pairing that with uh, some opinions we have on, on where the server should go. Hey, Heath, the second part of your question around the ad revenue and the performance this quarter, uh, one of the highlights there you probably noticed was the 29% uh, ad revenue growth in the United States. When we look at that and the strong performance outside of the United States as well, uh, we feel like our messages of launching new product and services and connecting what's happening continue to really resonate with advertisers. Uh, Bruce and the Revenue Product team are designing uh, great ad formats and delivering, and Matt and the customers team are doing an awesome job uh, connecting with our advertisers and helping them uh, get a strong ROI on the service all over the world, and we continue to see real benefit from those, uh, from those conversations. You see it manifest itself in improving click-through rates. You see it manifest itself in ad engagement scoring 20% against a uh, growing audience. Uh, so we feel really good about that. It's, it's worth pointing out um, when you look at the revenue and you unpack it, uh, you may notice that the data and other line, which includes our data and enterprise solutions business as well as Mopub, um, that declined more than it, uh, one might, or it grew less than one might have expected uh, this quarter. We consider that 4% growth more of an anomaly uh, when we look at new business one and the timing of that last year. Uh, relative to the timing of it this year around the data and enterprise solutions business, uh, that probably had more impact on that number on a quarterly year-over-year basis than it would uh, if you looked at things over the course of the full year. We talked in the last few quarters about how we feel so good about how we've executed on our strategy in DES over the last few years, but as a result of that, uh, that business is likely to grow at lower rates in the future than it uh, has in the past. We really meant on a full-year basis and so I'd, I'd look at that 4% as more of an anomaly. Thanks for the question, Heath. Thank you. And I think, Operator, we have time for just one last question, please. Okay. So our final question today will come from Ross Sandler from Barclays. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Thanks for squeezing me in. Um, one for Jack and maybe one quick one for Ned. Jack, so on the list uh, topic here, uh, how big is list as a percent of total Twitter consumption today. And, and as a heavy list user myself, um, I've never seen an ad in, in list. So is that an opportunity at some point? How, how do you think about uh, the ads opportunity in list and potentially in TweetDeck? Um, and then Ned, Japan decelerate a little bit. So is that, I know they had a huge comp from a year ago. Is, is any of the licensing uh, decel that you just mentioned flowing through Japan or is that ads? Can you just flush out a little bit on What's going on in Japan? Thank you. So, Ross, we're not we're not breaking out the uh, consumption uh, percent on this, but we for for the people who really understand Twitter um, and a lot of our, our customers who have uh, done uh, the work, lists are um, instrumental uh, in their experience. Um, they they organize um, their experience around these sub lists that complement their timeline uh, very well. So. What we're trying to do here, um, as, as we've seen with, with nearly every major feature and functionality and aspect of the service, is recognize uh, when these customers who, who figure out the power of Twitter and just making that more accessible to everyone, um, at the same time in increasing the, um, the amount of control um, over, these, um, over these primitives like list. So we, we think there's a, a number of things that we can do within the list construct that gives people a whole lot more control um, and uh, answers some questions for us around what it means to truly follow a topic or an interest. Uh, and 
to provide a, a very easy uh, experience to switch between your home timeline as well. We, we, we want to think uh, as lists more broadly as timelines, as stream, streams of tweets, um, but in the list case, it's, it's more organized around these events and topics. And um, as, as we have in the past, um, you know, we, we start with a, an experience and, and as we learn from it, we'll, we'll figure out if, uh, if there's uh, revenue products that, that better the experience uh, as well. So, Ross, uh, just a couple things to uh, tie that off and move on to Japan. Uh, when we look across the surface areas on Twitter, when we look across geographies and times of year, we continue to feel more demand constrained than supply constrained and still see opportunity to help advertisers realize their objectives and drive better relevance and show uh, great ads to people on the service. Um, so um, the, I'll just refer back to Jack's comments on, on the list. On Japan, uh, a couple of things to point out to you. Uh, one, if you step back and think about what we've accomplished over the last couple of years in Japan, revenue in Japan in Q2 of 2017 was a little more than $70 million. It's a little more than $130 million in Q2 of 2019. Uh, but 65% year-over-year uh, -year growth in uh, Q2 of 2018 uh, when we had major breakthroughs with a concentrated agency market, when our ad formats uh, began to really resonate with advertisers in Japan was followed by 9% uh, this quarter. 9%, as you can imagine, is a little impacted by uh, currency. Uh, it's impacted by the uh, tough comps. And then if you look at any given country, uh, the growth rates in any given quarter are impacted by the ad formats that uh, people are embracing, the campaigns that people are running, the topics and events that are bringing people to Twitter. Uh, and so uh, that stuff impacted Japan uh, more than we might have liked in the second quarter. When we look ahead and we think about the work that we're doing on MAP, and when we think about uh, the Olympics being hosted in Japan next year, and we think about all the hard work that we've done there to get closer to the agencies and to the most important advertisers, we feel really good about the, uh, the potential in Japan over time. And so we'll work hard uh, both from the data licensing, another line that you mentioned, but uh, even um, more importantly from the broader ads opportunity. I think with that, we're going to wrap up. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We're pleased with our performance this quarter. We appreciate your interest in Twitter, and we look forward to speaking with you next quarter when we report earnings on October 24th before the market open. We better wrap because it sounds like they're taking out the garbage outside our building here in San Francisco if you heard any of the noise behind us. We will see you all on Twitter. Thank you, everyone. This will conclude today's conference call. You may now disconnect.